You are now listening to NYY Sports Talk, a New York Yankees podcast. Find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Potable. Or you can head to nyysportstalk.com slash podcast and subscribe right from the website. For live in-game Yankee updates, news, and fan giveaways, follow on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Now, let's talk Yankees baseball with Christian and Chris. Welcome back to the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. This is episode 32, presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm Christian, at Christian underscore NYYST, alongside my co-host Chris. What up, pal? And Stack Guy Rod. How you doing, pal? What is this, like a record for you? Yes, yeah, four straight. Four straight. Four show. Try making it five next week. Oh, now he's going to try. He's going to try. He's going to try now. We'll see. Excuse me, big uh, show plan today. We got Katie Sharp of River Ave, uh, River Ave Blues on. Another repeat guest. Always, always nice having her on here and her, uh, her crazy stats that she finds unlike anyone else out there. So, Katie's just like an, an encyclopedia of encyclopedia of baseball, uh, numbers. Numbers. Uh, also, later on in the show, we'll be taking some voicemails from the fans. Uh, one lucky caller is going to win a pair of Yankee tickets. One of, we'll probably get to a few. We'll probably get to like three or four voicemails. Three or four, ten, who cares? Chris is rushing me. He wants <laughs> us to be a very short show today because he's got to go eat corned beef later. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm I'm rushing you. You're like, we got to do the show in under 30 minutes today, guys, because well, I have to go, I have to go eat corned beef and blather myself in cabbage. You you ramble on every week, so I try and keep it at a nice pace for the listeners. Speaking you know I mean? of lathering oneself in cabbage, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's day is coming. Yes. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day. The Blarney Stone. <laughs> A Stantonian home run. That was uh, John Sterling's call. No. Oh, come yeah. on. He gave it in spring training? He gave it yeah, up in spring training? maybe that's the spring training call. Maybe he has some. I don't know. We're recording here. Uh, the Yankees are playing the Mets in a spring training game uh, down at George M. Steinbrenner Field. And Stanton hit his first bomb as a Yankee. And it was just easy oppo power for John Carlo. Mm. What was that? That was the noise I... I'm going to make a lot this year when I see a nice home run. Well, mm. speaking of those guys in the a order. Stantonian home a Stantonian run? Stantonian home run. I don't even, do you get the reference? I don't understand it. Stanton, Stantonian. But what is. It, does anything he really says make a whole world of sense at this point? Who is this guy? Jeff Hendricks with the double ear flaps. <laughs> yeah. He's got the Little League helmet on. So. Um, the first thing we want to get to is this obnoxious rumor or whatever it's you want to really call it. It's really an obnoxious rumor when the uh, manager of the ball club, whose wife we found out is a former Playboy playmate, by the way, Mr. Mrs. Boone, <laughs> a Miss October, was once Miss October 1998. So, you know. He didn't say he was going to do it. He said 
they were going to discuss it. They, it was going to be something they discussed. Correct. The exact quote was that he didn't shoot it down. Like, no, you guys are dumb. This is something we'll talk about. Right. But there's no substance to it. It makes absolutely no sense to have judge lead off on this team. I think it takes his value away. In this lineup. Look, this is something we brought up with Katie, and she'll back this up later on in the show when we play the interview with the numbers. It's absolutely ludicrous to even suggest that Aaron Judge, who hit 52 home runs last year, should be a leadoff hitter. Well, she brought up the fact that he has a high on base percentage, and that could be one reason why you could make a case for it, but... He's not here. He's not in this lineup to get on base a lot. Yeah, it's great that he does, but he's here to hit home runs. He's here to drive in runs. And he's not going to have as many opportunities to do so when he's batting leadoff. Plus, I mentioned this in the interview as well, he's also not protecting anybody leading off the game. So you're taking a lot of value off the table when you lead him off. All right. And here's some stats to, I don't even know what to call these people that want to bat Judge Lead off because, and I said this to Katie, and you, again, you'll hear it later on in the interview, but now we're discussing it amongst ourselves here. I know baseball's different now. We're in a new age of baseball and, you know, I'm, you know, maybe not a big fan of it because everything's numbers driven now and whatever, but you're just you're just doing things to do things that are different if you're going to bat Aaron Judge lead off like hey it's hey, reinventing the wheel completely hey guys we got the one of the most prolific power guys in the, in the game we're going to bat him lead off because of x and x happens to be um he drew 127 walks walks uh last year which set the major league rookie record so i mean and, but what's the difference if he's on base batting second or batting first wouldn't you rather him at least bat second or his on base percentage was 422 it's still going to be just as valuable to have him bat second and, and for him to have that high of an on base percentage because look at the guys who come up after him all right. so all right another thing another stat is he led the league the american league in pitches per plate appearance so these are if you didn't know that aaron judge hit 52 home runs but i gave you those three stats he profiles as a leadoff hitter what didn't you say <laughs> yeah i guess but you can't just sit here and take a few pieces of his statistics and say he would profile as a leadoff but hitter. that's isn't that part of the problem with major league baseball right now there's two it Base, the thing that was so great about baseball is that it was always about the numbers. This guy hit 61 home runs. This guy had 500 saves. This guy had 4,000 hits. And it was a way to celebrate the game. And now people are taking these numbers and they're trying to justify doing these crazy things with lineups and defenses and when a pitcher, you know, God forbid Masahiro Tanaka pitches in the sun. He's like a vampire. Right. He's awful during the day. So what? We're going to... But not on Wednesdays. On Wednesday day games, he pitches to yeah. a 1.33 ERA. But any other day during the week, if the sun is out, he pitches to a 6.2. The problem is that with technology and the internet, we have so much at our fingertips. And sometimes it has a negative effect on the game. Because there's just too much involvement now. 
these shifts, these shifts are insane. It's on every pitch now. They shift a different way on 0-2 counts, 2-1 counts because of all of this information that we have. And it, to me, it it affects the game in a negative way as a fan. As Joe Girardi was the king of the shift. I mean, Joe Madden invented Madden. it, but Joe Girardi became the king of it. Yeah, because, you know, the binder. Well, now, <laughs> one would do you think the Yankees are going to shift as much in 2018 now that Aaron Boone's the manager? I, I do think they'll do it a decent amount, but I don't think it will be on every different count like it was with Girardi. Because didn't you see all of a sudden now, uh, I don't know, the third baseman was running back to, uh, to, to the other side of the, uh, infield, you know, like Headley would, would run. There's John Sterling, the Stantonian. <laughs> uh, well, Headley was, right? Headley was playing third base last year and then, and then with two strikes, he would run to the, to the, uh, to the, to the second base side of first base over there. Yeah, to the first because base side of, to, to the first base side of second base. That's right. what I want to say. Yeah. Because now the numbers say that the batter's not going to go the opposite way right. with two strikes. It's just ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous to me. It's too much. It's too much, but you can't blame teams and organizations for doing it because of all the stats that are put in front of them. So if you have these stats, if you have these proven numbers, you're going to try and do everything you can to take advantage of it. Guys, when did Matt Dillon sign with the Yankees? <laughs> Who's that? Tyler Austin. <laughs> he does look like Matt Dillon. So we're all in agreement here that judge batting leadoff makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I think I think it's, if the Yankees show that they're struggling against left-handed pitchers, Early in the year. Here comes the millennial now. You could see Aaron Judge hitting leadoff because after the first inning, what is a leadoff hitter? What are the odds that they're going to hit leadoff for but, the but then duration you're protect- of a game? You're protecting guys at the bottom of the order that they're not there to be protected. I mean, wouldn't you rather Judge protect, say, Stanton or Gardner or someone who has that pop in his bat, who's going to get on base, wouldn't you rather him protect him than, say, Andujar, Jury, whoever that might, those guys might be at the bottom of the order? I mean, Definitely. you still have to factor that in. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't okay because, with him batting second last year. I thought it, that was ridiculous. If he's batting, if he's protecting the nine guy, and the nine guy's some, some scrub, but we don't know who it's going to be. Pitchers still aren't going to fear that nine guy. They're still going to go right after him. The, and, and and the effect isn't going to be as drastic as it would be if Judge is protecting someone at the if top Judge of the order. If Judge is batting leadoff, who's batting second then? Aaron Hicks, Brett Gardner, or John Carl Stanton? Because if it's Stanton, then maybe I'll be okay with it. Well, the only way I see him batting first is when a lefty's but, starting the game and Gardner's not in the but game. But my point is... It just doesn't make sense. Look, because what's the difference then of him just batting second? What is the big deal? What? Because he might get one more plate appearance that game? I just don't see what the big deal is. A lot of baseball people will tell you that lineups don't matter because once you get through it once, it's, right. all, it's all circular But in anyway. that same sense, in that same breath, then what's the difference if he bats second? I don't, why would you tu- why would you touch something that why would you go and experiment with something that just doesn't seem 
to be the best idea. Historically, your best hitter bat at third, and your your most your biggest power hitter bat at fourth. But now again, we're re- we're changing the wheel here. We're now, and I think Katie, uh, Katie even mentioned it that now your best hitter bat second in the lineup, right? And and it's you know when Stanton batted second last year, he was a much better hitter for the Marlins than when he batted third. But so, he, it looks like he's going to bat at least third, maybe fourth on this in this lineup. But the you know the crazy thing is, we say this every single episode. It feels like you could pick these guys out of a hat at this point, and this lineup is still going to be deadly. So now you said you could pick it out of a hat, but then you're going to argue but, that uh, Judge shouldn't lead off. What I'm saying is, nothing is ever going to truly affect this lineup. To a point where they're going to lose games because of it. My my point is, when you have something like Judge batting leadoff, and you have all the pros and cons, it just doesn't add up to try it. Because there's no true pros to it, in my opinion. Nothing makes sense to it, so why do it? I don't if know. you had a few good points as to why this could work, I just gave then I'd say that, but they don't his make sense. Base percentage, okay, walks, it's play, still just as valuable for him to bat second, but it's still just as valuable for him to bat second. Those are the numbers people are looking at. Great, and you know the Yankees could be off one nothing before uh, before a second <laughs> battery even comes up. Okay, to the plate. or they could be up one nothing. Or 2 nothing when Gardner gets on and then he hits the Look, home I'm run. I'm just playing devil's advocate here because you know I really don't like the idea. I think the idea is friggin' stupid, okay? And so does Katie Sharp. So All we'll right, so speaking of Katie Sharp, before you know we go any further down this road, let's take you to our interview with Katie Sharp, and uh, we'll be back with some, uh, I don't know, whatever it is that... Uh, <laughs> A we'll few come, voicemails We'll after. come back with. <laughs> Here's our interview with Katie Sharp. All right, we're on with Katie Sharp of River Ave Blues for her second time on the podcast. Katie, how's it going? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Getting ready for uh, for a big season. Have you been following uh, spring training at all? I've been following, yes, mostly. Uh, mostly I really can't sit down and watch a, a full game or anything at this point. I think the first thing we need to touch on here is the jury and hard debate here. Because they bring Jury to this team, and you think they're going to place him at second base while Torres gets some work in, uh, you know, to start the year in the minors. And all of a sudden, Cashman comes out and he says Jury's only going to take reps at third base. Andujar comes up this spring and he's lighting the place on fire, yet Jury is still at third base when he's playing. And then Christian actually looked into it and he saw that Jury has played most of his games at second base. Is there a reason why the Yankees are so reluctant to put Drury at second at this point and try out him at second with Andujar at third? I want to touch on a couple things here. Um, let me clarify the situation for you guys. Uh, I'm not sure you know, how many of our listeners know or, or you guys, but Drury is actually he was drafted as a shortstop and then uh, out, of, out of high school and then moved to third base as a pro. So most of his minor league experience is at third base. Hmm. Um, and But during the minors, he also, they, they had him play second. They had him play outfield a lot. The fan initiative has a uh, sort of a first ball, you know, a utility player. Um, and then uh, when he came up to the big league, he uh, primarily has played second base because Jake Lamb 
was uh, entrenched as the Diamondbacks' starting third baseman. Hmm. And Lamb is arguably a, a better player than Drury. Oh, that's how much you guys know about the Diamondbacks. But uh, you know, Jake Lamb already had third, already uh, had third base uh, nailed down there. Uh, they like him as player better, so that's why they put Drury at second. They knew he could handle it because he had been prepared in the minors as sort of that utility infielder, versatile player. Um, so that's sort of, that's the background. Um, and also in several interviews that I've read with jurors, um, he thinks that their base is his best position. Um, and that's sort of where he, uh, he feels most comfortable. So then um, the, Yankees, really... the Yankees have a point to say that they're not fully comfortable with him at second. Correct. I mean, well, I mean, not, I wouldn't say that it's not fully comfortable with him at second, but they prefer him at third um, because that's where he is more comfortable. And, you know, I think that as long as Drury feels more comfortable at third and he thinks it's his best position, you don't want to mess with a guy like that where you have so much flexibility with, you know, four or five guys actually competing at second stage for going to be, you know, they have a really good base competition going on as well. Um, and they think that third base is where they can leverage his, you know, leverage his ability the best, leverage his value. Um, so I don't think it's that they don't trust him at second. Um, it's just that they have a lot of, they have a lot of good options for second base. And third base, the depth chart is much thinner. That's basically uh, end of our boss. And um, I think that when they traded for when they traded for Drury, I think that kind of signaled that they don't really trust Andrew defense yet, um, which is fine because he, you know, he's barely played a season at the AAA, and um, he could definitely use some more seasoning uh, down there in the minors. All right, Katie. Well, you brought up that the Yankees have uh, other options at second base. As uh, we're recording this interview, we're watching uh, a spring training game, and one of those options just appeared to have gotten injured. Uh, Tyler Wade is being taken out of the game. He was diving for for uh, diving for a ball in the hole, which uh, hopefully it's not too serious. He's walking off the field, so well, he hurt his arm. So I don't know how that. Oh, I thought it was his leg. I (laughs) I don't know how that would affect him. Was walking if he hurt his arm, but uh, we wanted to ask you. Is, you know, with this new injury aside, is Tyler Wade ready to become an everyday Major League Baseball player? Because from what we saw at the Major League level with Wade last year, he just, he looked at a place he that he wasn't prepared to be an everyday Major League Baseball player at that point. Has he taken the next step in the offseason to, to kind of maybe fill that hole if the Yankees see him in that role? Yeah, yeah. I think that he definitely is ready for the big league. Um, he's, from, from all that I've read and from what I've seen, he's emerged definitely as the favorite to beat out Torre, Espinosa, um, Torres, and what Peterson, you know, what the competition is there. Um, and there's a couple things uh, that I noticed when I was uh, looking at this offseason, is that he added a lot of weight. He added about 15 months of muscle offseason. And he also made some adjustments at the plate uh, this he worked with Albert Pujol, of all people. Um, <laughs> and Albert had a, had several, you know, had a couple of good tips for him in sort of how, they, how he could better handle that inside pitch. 
because um, it always looked like, you know, last year is a very, very small sample size. But Watson came last year um, at the major league level. He just, he looked overmatched. Um, and so I think that with his added strength, his ability to, to cover the plate a little bit better, um, I think he's going to make tremendous strides um, at the major league level as a hitter. And then, um, you know, we also know that already he's a plus stage runner. I mean, he's he's gonna he's, he he has potential to be a better base runner than than Burkhardt ever was. Um, so he's got plus plus speed. He's a super versatile um, infielder. He might be their best defensive infielder. I think David Cohn said that point. the other day. He felt that Wade was their best defensive infielder in the organization. Yeah, I mean he possibly be the best defensive infielder yeah. in the organization. Um, so I think he has a ton of value at the basic level. Um, he doesn't really have much to prove, I think, in AAA, although, you know, obviously get a little bit more. He can obviously, anybody can um, use more seasoning down there in the minors. Um, but he hit 310 with a 382 on base and a 460 slugging in Britain last year. So I think he's, you know, he's definitely proving his worth at the AAA level. Yet that last year in the majors is just way too small of a sample to make any judgment. Um, our frankly, issue, you know, our issue was that, yeah, it was a small sample size, but within that small sample size, he didn't even look close to being ready for the major leagues. That's our exactly. issue with it. If he had yep. 59 at-bats or so or whatever he had, and he at least showed some signs that he was supposed to be here, you would say that 59 at-bats is a small sample size. He just looks so lost to us. And I, I totally agree with you. I thought the exact same thing last year. But based on what I've read about the changes that made this winter, adding the muscle, like I said, uh, working with Albo Pujols, um, I have a lot of high hopes for him. Because he is super athletic. And, you know, he has the potential to be a good hitter. We all know that from what he's done in AAA. Um, so I am I'm very high on him for this year. And I think that he brings a lot of, He's not going to set the world on fire at the plate, but honestly, he brings a ton more to the uh, to the big league club. I think he'd be a great addition. If you know, assuming that this uh, injury is not uh, anything serious. Yeah, we hope that he. Uh... We'll get an update after we uh, record, uh, finish recording the interview. But right now, it's Chris and Christian of NYY Sports Talk on with Katie Sharp of River Ave Blues. Uh, Katie, um, the big, I guess, the big conversation is where are we gonna, or what is Aaron Boone? Are we like we're gonna pencil in the yeah, lineup. We. <laughs> what is where is Aaron Boone gonna uh, do with his lineup here? Uh, you you think that he's going to probably bat Judge second? Although you heard some uh, talk of maybe Judge batting leadoff this week. Um, if you were Aaron Boone, who would bat second, Judge or Stanton? And would you want to put a lefty in between the two big slugging right-handed batters? And Katie, before you answer, I just want to I just want to say this: you're the perfect person to ask this question to because. It seems like over the last handful of years, the Yankees have really based a lot of their lineups and a lot of their decisions on the numbers. You are the queen of the numbers here. So I think your opinion here goes a long way for for Yankee fans. So uh, where would you pencil these guys in? Oh, wow. That's a lot of pressure on me here. Uh, As far as I know, I haven't been been asked to 
be a big league manager yet. Not maybe yet. I, maybe I should start campaigning for myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, I'll, I'll take the judge batting leadoff thing first because that's probably the most ridiculous thing that <laughs> I, I heard. I'm glad that you and said honestly, that. Honestly, it was, I think it was mostly just a case of, you know, Gardner's going to sit a bunch, right? They definitely want to keep his keep his play time, um, you know, down so that because of the wear and tear, he's a, you know, because of that. And so then the other, the question then becomes, well, on the rare, the off days when Gardner doesn't bat lead off, and maybe maybe that 40, 50 days, who's going to bat lead off? And there are way better options uh, than Judge, I believe, at this point. Uh, my ideal leadoff batter would probably be Kit. He's, he's uh, fast. He's a great bat base runner. Who he's did got, you say, Katie? Sorry, kind of cut out. Oh, I'm sorry. My ideal leadoff batter when Gardner is not back to leadoff, we're assuming this, would be Kit. Um, Aaron Hicks? He's got speed. Aaron Hicks, yes. He's got speed. Second highest on base percentage on the Yankees last year, just behind Judge. He's got a lot on. He's got good on base skills, um, and he's got some power. So I see him, you know, being sort of that George Springer leadoff type guy, who you know go off for twenty five, thirty homers. Um, just really good on base. Doesn't strike out a lot. Um, so he would be my ideal leadoff guy in place of guard. Katie, I know that we're in a new era of baseball where things are done a little bit differently, but Aaron Judge batting leadoff, that's that's just something that we... Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I mean, you're going to take a guy that I, hit 52 home runs last year and was a runner-up in the MVP and bat him leadoff because, I don't know, he's, he hit over 300 in, in innings that he led off, so now this is suddenly a good no, idea. Yeah, I mean, those flips... Anybody's quoting those slips, they're, they're way too small sample size. And the main reason I think people would advocate for him batting leadoff is that he had a 422, you know, 422 on base percentage last year, second in the majors or, or second, second in the AL. Um, and, you know, that's obviously one of the, the best skills you can have as a leadoff hitter. But... You give him, I mean, there's no way that you want to waste his power um, at the top of the lineup when guaranteed that one-fifth of his plate appearances are going to be with nobody on base. Plus, right? plus you're, taking, he, you're taking away the fact that he's not protecting anyone to start the game. I mean, you, yeah. you want him protecting Gardner up at the plate. And then you have Stanton mm-hmm. protecting Judge or whoever else they have after that. So you're also taking that factor off the table as well. Yeah, I'm. I can't see. Um, I can't see the Yankees ever bat it, batting Judge lead off. He's never done it um, at the major league level. Definitely never done it. Um, I don't have any positional. I didn't look up his positional splits for or his batting order splits at the minor league level. But uh, I'm not even sure that you know he would be comfortable up there. Uh, it would be fun. The only fun part would be that you know he might break the record for leadoff homers, <laughs> for leadoff homers, even if he only gets twenty, 20 at leadoff at bats, right? So that would be another uh, another single season franchise record that he would be able to hold. <laughs> um, that would be the fun part, but in reality, uh, no. <laughs> so what's Katie Sharp's? 
What's Katie Sharp's lineup in 2018 for this team? At least the top um, five or six guys. Okay. Uh, I like Judge second uh, for a lot of reasons. He, he has experience there. He, in a very small sample, you know, he, he batted there, you know, maybe 70, 70 play experiences last year. He's got very, you know, really good on base. You want basically, I think the thinking now is that your second, your number two hole is going to be your best hitter. If not your best, then one of your three best. Um, and that's where I see it. And I think that his, obviously his power can play up a lot there, too. And he doesn't just hit homers, you know, he hits a ton of doubles, too. And a double can score Gardner from first. His doubles sure. are home runs um, that he hits too hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. His doubles are home runs that basically, you know, miss by one inch, you know, one inch <laughs> of that, of an inch on the inch. So I really like Judge second. So tempting to hit Stanton third, and I think I would do it. Um, that's my him. that's my just three guy. Just put the fear into the into the um, into the other team. I mean, you you what do you do there? And then I actually would like to the, the sack Ben Sanchez at cleanup. Oh. Obviously, because his his superpower. Um, he doesn't have great on base, so I wouldn't bat him any higher than fourth. Um, he doesn't really let to take walk. But, I mean, having that threesome back-to-back-to-back would just be relentless. I think and that's one no, of the... Oh, sorry. And I'm going to say, I'm not worried about stacking three righties in a row. Neither am I. Because those guys can hit lefties. <laughs> yep. Um, they, they're probably... They can hit left probably better than 75% of the right-handed batters to majors. Um, they've shown absolutely no, very little platoon flute during Chris, their career. Chris and I disagree um, on a lot of different things, but the one thing we've been in agreement on throughout this lineup debate is that it should be Judge Stanton and Sanchez in that order. I mean, if you can line those three guys up in a row, why wouldn't you do it? And, that's, and, and we say... And that's no disrespect to Gregorius or Bird, but if you can line up Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and Gary Sanchez, why why wouldn't you do that? And we say, too, yeah. I don't care if a lefty's pitching. I don't care if a righty's pitching. I don't care if the guy's ambidextrous. I don't care who it is. Those three guys in a lineup is going to be a scary threesome to any pitcher out there. Um, but my biggest thing personally, Judge and Stanton need to be back-to-back in this lineup. I always relate it to, like, Manny and Ortiz. You never uh-huh. you never That's split great. those guys up. I mean, why would they ever even think about splitting those two up? I totally agree with you. I think it would be so awesome um, to see that. And I, I would really like to see um, what other teams would do in order to counteract it. I mean, how do they pitch to judge? How do they pitch to Stanton knowing what is coming up? And if you make a mistake, um, it, it can just snowball there. Uh, so I really like that. And then I'm not even opposed to hitting Bird and Didi back to back um, at 5th and 6th because both those guys have can shown that they can handle that they can hit lefties. I mean, it's a small sample for Bird, obviously, but he, he hit lefties better than righties last year, and it was a small sample. Um, but both those guys are tremendous hitters different, in different ways. 
vertically much more more power and you know more on base. Gigi's a high contact, you know, high contact hitters, line drive. Um, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to putting them back to back as well, lefties. Well. Then you get t- towards the bottom half of the order, and this is where this next guy kind of, I think, fits into this team. Adam Lind. I didn't know mm-hmm. how great of a pinch hitter he actually was in his career. I saw the tweet that you put out, I think, last week. I don't know how big of a sample size it was, but his pinch hitting numbers are outstanding. And to have this guy on the bench... uh to bring in late in a ball game at, you know, a guy you need pop off the bat, uh, maybe down a run or two, he actually could make a case to be a bench guy on this team. Absolutely. Um, I, I really hope that they, uh, that they take him, um, because, you know, he was signed to a minor league contract, so he does not, they don't, they don't put him on the major league roster and opt out. Um, but I I would love to have his bat there. Um, he's he's a veteran. This is going to be, I believe, his 14th major league season. And the Yankees could always use another veteran. Um, they lost Todd Frazier. Uh, they lost Headley. So they really they really could use another veteran there on the bench in the clubhouse. Um, and uh, he's a capable first baseman. He's shown that in his career. So he's a he's a really good backup option um, at first base for Bird who. Honestly, you know, we, we, we love birds, but he hasn't shown the ability to be healthy for an entire season. Um, so I think that definitely just proving his current plan, um, if bird gets uh, hurt again, plus he's an excellent bench option. I mean, he has experience coming off the bench. That's not an easy thing to do, um, coming off cold and then, you know, having to take that fast. Um, but last year... That was his role with the Nationals. He was a part-time first baseman and a part-time bench player. And he had, I believe, I think 50 plate appearances at the hitter last year. Um, and he was fantastic last year. 56, 396 on base, 644 slugging, and four homers, um, wow. a bunch of RBIs, and about 50 plate appearances last year. And over his career, yes, I, I put out those numbers. His career is, uh, let's see, it's 156 plate appearances, I believe, at 150 plate appearances as a, as a pinch there. He's a 324 batting average, 391 on base, 568 slugger slugging. Wow. And as I, as I tweeted out, that's the highest slugging percentage as a pinch hitter in Major League history. Wow. Uh, with, for guys that have, 150 plate appearances. So, you and know, his OPS, his OPS is 949 is off the highest. Wow. In major league history. That to me uh-huh. sounds more valuable having a guy like that off the bench than than a guy like Tyler Austin. Uh Oh, absolutely. Yeah, at, I mean at Austin this point. has done nothing. Yeah. Oh. Um and the thing is, you know, he's done I would be hesitant to use, you know, pinch hitting numbers uh, because they are small samples. He's done it in the past at the major league level. He's shown he can do it. 150 play appearances is not ideal, not a huge sample, but it's enough. And the fact that he was just last year, he was a part, he was a pinch hitter uh, for the Nationals. Got significant time there. Um, 
just makes me really optimistic about what to do for the Yankee lineup. Katie, before we let you go, we're going to put you on the spot here. You might become public enemy number one in the Yankees universe, <laughs> but you're going to make a case for Jacoby Ellsbury having value to this team in 2018. <laughs> All right. Am I, uh, can I start? You can start. <laughs> you can go. All right. Here's the beginning of the end of my uh, my, my tenure here. Um, so, first of all, I'm not sure that, you know, value is, is a relative term, right? <laughs> Obviously, he's never going to produce at the level that matches his contract. I mean, it was just an outrageous contract. Cashman admitted that it was a mistake. Um, but he's not really the black hole in the lineup uh, people assume. You look at his numbers last year, 264, 348 on base, 402 slugging. That was exactly the average for a center fielder last year. Wow. He's almost The numbers across those boards are pretty much, you know, mirror images of what the league average center fielder hit last year. That was 400 plate appearances. Um, his, uh, his speed... He had 22 steals, 25 attempts last year. That's incredibly efficient. I don't think people realize that. It was the uh, the fourth highest um, stolen base rate in the majors last year among guys with 25 attempts. Wow. The only guys better than him were uh, Byron Buxton, Lorenzo Cain, and Mookie Betts, who, you know, if you ask anybody who knows something about baseball, those are probably the three best base. You know, big sure. in the league right now in the game. Um, and uh, he also had a top 20 uh, base running runs metric, uh, base running runs, which is the metric, you know, all-encompassing uh, base running metric at Fangraph. He was top 20 in that, and that's a counting stat. So with only 400 plate appearances, he, I believe he had some, one of the fewest amount of plate appearances of any guy in the top 20. So that includes um, not only steals, but taking the extra base, advancing on flyouts, things like that. So he's he's got a ton of value. He still has a lot of value um, on the base stats, and uh, he also he wasn't he also made a lot of progress last year. Um, he had a career high walk rate, um, it was ten percent, and his OBP of three forty eight was his best Yankee. So he was doing a lot of good things last year. And that's not even taking into um, account people, the amount of uh, catcher's interferences that he racks up. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that brings entertainment on it. So that's entertainment value. you gotta give, you got to account for that. You pretty um, much, what, in, in, <laughs> in the simplest term, you just told us that Jacoby Ellsbury truly is the most expensive and most valuable pinch hitter. I mean, a uh, pinch runner a team could have in Major League Baseball at this point. Hey, there's a role for everybody. Um... <laughs> I think what what people or a lot of Yankee fans get hung up on is uh, the stretch that he had playing um, question uh, through about the end of August. Um, I mean, if you remember uh, looking at looking these numbers up um, before he had his concussion, so he had his concussion. He got it on May twenty fourth. At that point, he was hitting two eighty one with a three forty nine on base and it four twenty two slugging which is perfectly fine. I think it's actually an above-average line. Um, and uh, I think any, any Yankee would have taken that uh, as center, you know, for their center fielder. He came back, he, 
you know, then he got hurt. He got a concussion. I think he was out for about a month. Um, they brought him back a little earlier, if you remember, um, when he had to go on the DL. Mm-hmm. They wanted to, they brought him back maybe too early. And from, let's see, through the end of August, he actually 136 plate appearances. He was awful. He hit uh, 186. Wow. Uh, 289 on base, 297 budget, which is which is horrible. Um, and then, I'm not. And then you know, this has been a it was a yo-yo season for him. He then ended the season with about a four-week hot streak uh, from the end of August through about September 20th. A four weeks there, when he was arguably the best hitter, if you guys remember. Yeah, um, he was on a tear. Three nights. It was over 90 plate appearances in those four weeks. He hit 397. Wow. He had a nearly 500 on base percentage and slugged 616. That was a four week stretch from the end of August to the end of September. Um, so, you know, that what? was when Hicks was hurt. So he stepped into the starting role again. Uh, so. At the I mean, end, at the it, end of the day, yeah, he's overpaid, but he's not the worst guy to have on this bench. Exactly, the, his his contract is already a sunk cost. You know that right. because no one's going to trade for him. The rest of he gets sixty eight million left over for years. Um, we've seen that no team is even willing to act that. Um, so you know he's a competent major league outfielder off the bench, given all the injury and concern. To the other outfielders and you know whatever um, that's a that's a valuable thing. He's, he's yeah you know he's coming off a career high in terms of on base. And, uh, I don't know. I just I think that a lot of people were turned off by that stretch in the middle of the this when Paul was ready uh, after suffering his concussion um, and he was forced uh, onto the roster. Um, but now he, he's got to oh, uh, right now. But if he can be healthy, uh, I think he's a fine uh, outfielder in front of All right, Katie, before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot here about three weeks before the season officially gets underway here. Uh, we're sitting Halloween night, or maybe November 1st, whenever the season actually ends this year. Uh, what, where were the, where did the New York Yankees finish their 2018 campaign in your mind right now as things are presently constituted? I think that they, uh, I think they take the ALE title, and I think that they can take the next step to go to the World Series. Uh, I think that there's a lot of motivation for these guys. I think they were really there's a, a bitter pill um, from losing to the Astros in the ALCS, and I think that. You know, their lineup alone uh, is gonna is gonna help them get to the World Series. Well, Katie, we appreciate your time as always. You're always so approachable and always there to help us and support us and to give us your time. Uh, we thank you for coming on. Follow Katie on Twitter at kt sharp. Uh, check out her articles, uh, River Ave, River Ave Blues. Uh, her Yankee metric articles that drop at the end of every series. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. And uh, hopefully we can touch base again mid season. Yeah, no problem guys. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you and uh, 
looking forward to this season. All right. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Katie. Thanks. All right. We're back. NYY Sports Talk. That was our interview with Katie Sharp. Find Katie on Twitter at KT Sharp. That's Kangaroo Tiger Sharp, like the sharp knife that Chris might get in his eye if he ever rushes the show again. Do you know if anyone heard that they could report you? For what? For a threat. Making terroristic threats? Yeah. Okay. Go I, ahead. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> You're the one who said you'd watch if what? he did it. I would honestly I would hate to see anything bad happen to you and it's not because I really care if anything bad ever happened to you it's because I would be the prime suspect even if I wasn't there when it happened Mm, and I'm the godfather of his child so I'd have to you'd have to clear my text messages out I think you're just as guilty as anybody for what threatening you the way you speak to me yeah but I delete all my texts oh do you yeah I want the evidence there. I want the... Yeah, I did it. Look. Here, this is when I said I was going to stab him right in the eye. That's great. What minute What minute are we on this podcast? <laughs> At that exact moment, and then I did it. So one thing you brought up when we went yeah, to break speaking there... speaking of people are going to get stabbed in the eye, an umpire might get it from Gary Sanchez this year. Yeah, because we didn't discuss this, but it's definitely something important to discuss these mound visit rules that they have. And I don't even think they know what the mound visit rules are. Is it fully implemented now? Oh, it's... Is it going to be fully in effect for 2018? Yes, they're going to... I would assume that they're going to tweak it along the way because what's the punishment? What if you take a seventh mound visit? Do you get detention? Well, let's talk about this. Are you thrown out of the game? Let's talk about this. If a manager... This used to be the rule... If a, I don't know if it still is, but if a manager took two mound visits within the inning, that second mound visit automatically meant that the pitcher had to come out of the game. Wasn't yeah. So no, maybe that's, that's what happens. Maybe at that seventh time, the pitcher has to come out of the game. I didn't hear that. I have not heard any. I think that guy right might have mound visits by a manager to change pitchers will not count against the total of seven. Okay, but what happens? You're right. What happens? I have not heard any repercussions because what's going to happen? Gary Sanchez, who likes to go out seven times an inning. Who publicly said this is going to be a tough adjustment for him. Decides he's going to go out and break that. What's going to happen? What is he going to do? Okay, bro, do something about it. Is that what it's going to be? No, I, I personally think it's going to be the pitcher at that time has to come out of the game. But who said that? I don't know. Nobody I'm... said it, though. That's the point. There's no. They have not stated any sort of repercussions whatsoever. And apparently, uh, Michael Kay was saying it during today's broadcast, the umpire has to give a signal whether, I don't know if he takes his mask off and, and like, you know, I'm doing like a saluting type motion or uh, he puts up a finger or something, but he has to signal that that counts as one of the mound visits. I just feel like this is going to get so lost, just like the whole, you know, the batter can't step out of the batter's box. Which didn't even matter for what a half a season maybe well you know what apparently for judge it did because people were saying things to him and that's why if you notice in the second half of the year he didn't step out of the batter's box in between pitches he stood there he waited people were telling him that he was stepping out too much but again what happens to those guys do they get fined no, no. there was a lot of players that said i'll take the penalty i need to step out of the box they have to throw a lollipop <laughs> their next pitch <laughs> Underhand. <laughs> Henry Rowan Gardner style. Yeah. 
So, I mean, you're right. I mean, I guess this is something that's going to be tweaked and that's going to evolve over time. And but apparently it's up to the umpire what counts as a mound visit and what doesn't. I I think I heard an interview with David Cohn earlier in the week. I'm not going to say what show I heard it on. Joe and Evan. Uh, that it could be something as simple as, a, you know, say uh, – Gardner, or, you know, say just like Gardner bunts, right? And Lance McCullers goes to field it, and Brian McCann, you know, is, you know, whatever. Right, and then right. they kind of start. And then they have to have, like, a, a little discussion about it afterwards. That could count as one of the mound visits. You know what I don't like? But I don't, but how, but isn't that against yes. the spirit of yes. it? Yes, this is my problem. If you want to... Do what you got to do to try and speed up the game, which I hate in general. But if you want to do things like put a pitch timer in, in between pitches or in between innings and so on and so forth, fine, so be it. But the second you start messing with a player's way of going about his business on the field, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that a catcher has to be cautious of how many mound visits he takes to talk to his pitcher. Apparently, if they're crossed up, it doesn't count as a mound. No, visit. it does not. It, if they are crossed yep. up, it does not count. If there's any sort of confusion, if the umpire sees that there's any sort of confusion, then... It... Before then... we uh, we go a little bit further, we got a little news on Tyler Wade. Uh, obviously, this will be out public knowledge bef- when this gets released on Monday. But Wade had to leave uh, Saturday's game with a, an apparent wrist injury, but... Wade uh, told Brian Cashman that he just rolled it. He wanted to stay in the game. No tests are scheduled. All right. So that's good. And Brian Hoke is reporting that uh, he's become the quiet front runner to be the opening day second baseman. Really? Wow. Hey, I I told you if it happens, I'll eat my words. I will admit Hmm. that I was wrong. Do you want tartar sauce or ketchup on those words? Hey, you're going to have to eat them too, pal. I didn't say I would eat them, though. I don't mind being you're too prideful. You have too too big of an ego. Yeah, I have a big ego. All right, we're going to get to voicemails. No, Uh, we're not. Yeah, we are. No, we're not. Because what was I going to say? I have one more point to make about the... the mound visits. The mound visits. And uh, who is Flaherty doing the game with Kay? I don't yeah, I believe Flaherty's so. Flaherty's doing the game with Kay. And he said that as a catcher, it was his. It was an instinctual thing when you went out to go talk to your pitcher. Right? He said it was like an right. instinctual thing. And now he says a lot of times you might be second-guessing yourself because you might have to save a mound visit. Because let's say you're at five and – you know, it's a one it's a one run game heading right. into the into the ninth, and Chapman might walk the first two guys. What are you supposed to do? You you're gonna have it's part of the game for a reason. These catchers just don't go out to to bullshit on the mound. It's part of the game. You're slowing down the game for a reason. It might be slow to people who sit and watch it, but it's a very fast paced game in your mind. There's always something in your mind that you're planning for. That's on what every the thing pitch. that people that don't like baseball don't exactly. understand is exactly. that just because you see the pitcher sitting there, standing there, and the batter standing there, there's a hundred different things that are going on at every that exact pitch. moment. So to take that away from the game, that communication, I think you're compromising the game. I really do. But what are you supposed to do now? Like that exact scenario plays out. The Yankees burn through all of their. Their mound visits. It's 
game 162, they need to win to go to the playoffs. And Chapman, they're up by one. Chapman walks the first guy. He's 2-0 on the second guy. That's an automatic mound visit, right? Right. But now you can't because the Yankees have already used their six. So what are you supposed to do now? Now, now let's say Chad Green might need one in the seventh inning, but you can't because you might need it for the ninth inning. Yeah, it it does not work for me. I don't like it to be honest. I with personally you. don't think it's going to be something that that lasts. I honestly think that six is too low of a number. If they wanted to institute something, it should be one per inning. Allow one mound visit per inning. Okay, that way you're not. Sacri- or or you say after the seventh inning, that goes away. You have six between the first and seventh inning. But when the game gets towards the end and it could be high-pressure moments, those numbers go away. Because think about it, bro. You are watching a playoff game. Game seven in the ALCS. Whatever stadium they're in, the place is rocking. And the, the, the opposing ba- uh, pitcher is trying to get out. We'll just say that. It's game seven at Yankee Stadium, and McCullers is trying to get out Judge in the seventh inning, and the place is going bananas. What kind of drama is building up inside the stadium when the catcher goes out and talks to the pitcher right there, and the fans are going berserk? You're going to take that away? Right. And also, it's not just catchers that are limited. It could be anyone. It's any position player can't. Just go to the mound and, and talk to the pitcher. That's How many what times? it was. It wasn't the scenario wasn't catcher bunt. It was it was like uh, he presented it as like what would happen if you you know laid down a bunt and you talked to your first baseman over who was going to cover right. that count that could count as a mound visit. But again, it's up to the umpire's discretion. So if the umpire is feeling a little pissy one day, right? Right. He's it, in a it, bad mood. He fought he fought with his wife before the game, and. And he's a little stricter than he, than you know, the umpire was the game before. See, that's what I don't like about it. It's not even if you're going to implement this, it should be one straight set of rules. It, it shouldn't be a judgment call. No, it, it should be, be a strict rule because your judgment's different from my judgment. My judgment's much better than your judgment. Yeah, so. we can we can get into that at a later date. <laughs> but you see things differently than I see things. I see things differently than Stack Guy Rice sees things. So, you know, Umpire A is going to see things differently than Umpire B is going to see things, right? Right. Okay. So, Umpire A may say, you know, I don't think talking to the first baseman on a bump plate is a mound visit, but Umpire B might think that. It shouldn't be like that. I agree. That's that's where they're wrong in all this. You ready for voicemails? I feel like totally exasperated after that because like I'm really I'm really aggravated by this whole mound visit thing. I am too and I don't think it's going to be successful so I don't think we'll have to put too much more emotion into it. I just I hate I I just I love baseball so much and I love the way the game is played and I hate that they're they're ruining it for lack of a better word to get other people to watch it. Why right. don't What you... about the people who have watched it their whole lives who appreciate it, who love it? That's what I'm saying. Why are you not catering to your audience as it is? Why are you going to make them hate something that they now love? Why so some 17-year-old will stop tweeting for 3 minutes and look up and watch an right. at bat? I mean, come on now. It's that, that to me, it's, it's disrespectful short... to to a fan who has loved the game the way we have. So, I agree that there's there should be certain things done to speed up the game, but they're they're trying too hard here. Yes. All right. So 
earlier in the week, we decided we were going to bring back voicemails, uh, and we were going to give away a pair of Yankee tickets to one lucky caller, and uh, I haven't heard the voicemails. I don't know if Numbnuts are I haven't. I haven't listened. I'm putting it through to randomly pick a few, and then we will randomly pick the winner out of those few, so. All right. Voicemail numero uno. Hi, this is John from New Haven, Connecticut. My question is, what are the chances that Miguel Andoar will make the starting the starting nine for the New York Yankees this year? Well, John from New Haven, Connecticut. I like that. It's like John from New Haven on here with uh, NYY Sports Talk. Sounds official. It does. It sounds like we know what we're doing. <laughs> so, in the interview, we kind of touched on that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if he keeps having the spring he has, how do you justify not putting him in the the starting lineup? Katie gave us some really good information on uh, Drury's history. Yeah. So it sounds like that he doesn't even like playing second base. Most of his games were at second base, but it was Because wasn't, he was blocked at right, third base. Exactly. So when a player comes out and says, I'm most comfortable at third base, you're not going to say, no, you're playing second. Um, you brought him here for a reason. You knew this going into into getting him onto this team. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be a battle of who has a more successful spring. Andujar hasn't been a liability at third base defensively. So I think, honestly, I think the decision's already made in Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone's minds. That what? Drury's. It's going to be Brandon Drury. Yeah, because they really like him. He's a, he's a cash I guy. told you this earlier in the week that I believe the scout's name is Tim Naring. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Cashman's guy. That's his go-to scout. Right. And he loves Brandon Drury. And Naring's word is the gospel to Brian Cashman. So what he says Cashman is on board with. And, and, and he you loves, know what? He loves I don't... Brandon Drury. Ryan's dropping Sorry. things right here. Uh... I don't think it's fair to Andujar. Andujar's been having a great spring. He's making a really good case for himself here. And it's not like the guy's batting 400 with four home runs and so on and so forth and has five errors at third base. He's also playing a decent third base. So your one reason for acquiring another third baseman doesn't seem to be much of an issue right now. So if Andujar's so high up on your list that you're not getting guys like Garrett Cole because you don't want to get rid of him, and he's performing the way he is, and you're still not going to play him. When will he ever play on this team? Ever? I don't know. But if let's say your baseline for your third baseman this year is 265, 15, and 60, which is approximately what Drury did last year. Is Andujar better than that? Is Would his numbers be better than that? I think so. Well, then he I should really play. I really do. I, I think so. he should play. Next voicemail. All right. Which pitcher is pitching on opening day for the Yankees? That guy, he was straight forward. <laughs> All right, so obviously you can't win the tickets because I have no idea who you are. No, I have. we have their number. Oh, so you just can call them on the phone? Sure. Hey, guy. Hey, you just won Yankee tickets, pal. Be right to the point if he wins it. Speaking of right to the point, it's Luis Severino. Yeah, it's, we talked yeah. about this. It's got to be. And you know what? I personally don't think Tanaka will be the second pitcher. I think they're going to hold off on Tanaka until the home opener. Okay. Because he's a much better pitcher at home. Yeah, it's a day game, but I think they're going to want Tanaka to pitch at go. home. We're going to use numbers in the second game. Of the how many, how many what do you time... think the rotation is going to be then this year? I think so... they have two games in Toronto to start the year, right? On the uh, 29th and the 30th, I believe. 
Then they're off the 31st, and they're, oh no, it's got to be three games. So, I don't know, maybe Tanaka does. Yanks open up with four in Toronto. What? Four, yeah, 28, uh, I'm sorry, the 29th is opening day, it's a Thursday at 3.30, then a Friday night game, Saturday 4.07, Sunday 107, and then April 2nd is uh, opening day at the stadium, they play two against Tampa. Monday afternoon and Wednesday afternoon. So then it's probably just going to, you're probably just going to see Severino, Tanaka, Sonny Gray. You're not going to see CC being the three. You actually could, you Make could hold lefty, off. Lefty you could hold off fives. and have CC pitch the home opener. I think that would be really nice for him. It would be, but that would technically be Jordan Montgomery. Style. And, and if you want to go back to the whole, CC pitching on turf or, you know, fielding on turf and all this stuff. Maybe it makes the most sense for him to pitch on opening day at the stadium. Before we get to the next voicemail, yesterday Boone basically said it without giving the official stamp, but foregone conclusion, we figured anyway, Jordan Montgomery is going to be the fifth starter. It's official today. It's official today. Mm. He he put his stamp on it. There you go. Signed it into law. Signed, sealed, delivered. All right. Not that we're surprised by that. All right. Last voicemail here. Hi, my name's Amanda, and I wanted to know if you think the Yankees will make it to the World Series this year. Uh, yeah, Amanda. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> I think they're going to win it. Just kidding. Incredibly rude, you two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're, just, we're just messing around. Uh, yeah. I, do, I, I think if you have any less, less of an expectation for this team, you haven't been following them too closely because they made the moves they made to get to the world series, to win the world series. And there's no reason why they can't do it. There is absolutely no reason why this team can't win the pennant this year and go on to win the world series. There's absolutely no reason. You can't give me one reason why they couldn't do it. Uh, I think there's no reason not to have that expectation. No. And there should, I mean, the day after they lost to Houston, we said that they had to make uh, make it to the World Series in 2018. You couldn't take a step back from that. Yeah, I mean, what they did in this offseason, what they did for this lineup, the bullpen still in place. I mean, and and everyone has high expectations for Gray this year, too. Imagine Severino, Tanaka, and Gray are all pitching on that you know, like ace caliber type stuff all year. You said Masahiro Tanaka's not an ace, though. That was your words last week. I said he's going to win Cy Young this year. But he's not an ace, so. He hasn't shown ace mentality, so. But, ace mentality, pet detective. Yeah, well. Um. All right, so I'm going to put those through to pick a winner uh, as you close out the show. And then at the end here, I'll have our. Our winner of the Yankees. Wow, you you really suck this week. You suck. Nah, you suck. You can't say I suck after I said you suck. I thought I was pretty good this week. <laughs> I didn't even notice you were here. You're you very quiet. It was like Ryan was um his job was taken away from him because when we have Katie on, what do we need Ryan for? Right. It's like useless. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, so uh let's do impressions. I'll be uh, Brett Gardner. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. We uh, we do shows every week. We got people tweeting us about <laughs> Stack Guy Rise impressions. 
I can't listen to a Brett Gardner interview anymore with uh, John Carlos Stan. He played left field last week. He played it in today's game. Oh, today. Uh, I heard Brett Gardner uh, was asked about it, and he said, uh, "Left field, left field's pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not an easy position. It's different. Uh, it's different from right field. Uh, it's see the difference is it's left." Uh, but he, he, he plays right field. I play, I'm from Hollow Hill, so I play in left field. Uh, it's got, but it's hard. It's hard. It's a different position. Like I said, it's right field. Uh, and this is left field. Hey, uh, Brett, before we uh, wrap up the show here, uh, you know, Billy McKinney's been, uh, referenced as, uh, Brett Gardner Jr. Like, uh, you want to comment on that? Uh, you know, Billy McKinney, uh, well, well, the thing I see the most uh, myself and him is that he plays hard. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, yeah, I do, I do see it. He's got the same, uh, it's hard to do this impression for a long time because <laughs> it gets exaggerated. It. <laughs> the winner of the tickets, by the way, is John from New Haven. Congratulations, pal. So we'll, uh, we'll get that out. Are we on in New Haven? We'll get that out to him. Uh, we'll let him know that he won the tickets and then we'll, we'll coordinate. No, you can just listen game. to the show and cool. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe we'll put that out. Maybe we'll say you have to listen to the show and figure out who won. Yeah. Or else I get the tickets. <laughs> All that right. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> Such a dick. You said I have trouble wrapping up the show, so there it is. That's until, how you're going to wrap it up. pretty good, though. <laughs> All right. So uh, we want to thank Katie Sharp again for coming on with us. That's KT Kangaroo Tiger Sharp. That's her Twitter handle, at KT, KT Sharp. Sharp. Find Katie on uh, River Rap Blues, uh, her Yankee metric articles that are returning for the 2018 season, where she breaks down each series statistically. Can you explain to the viewers why you're looking at me like that? Because you're so attractive, man. You're yeah. an attractive guy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I get lost in your eyes. You should. They're hazel and they're beautiful. <laughs> anyway. Be back next week. We're going to have a little... Uh, we're going to have a little season preview. Uh, we're going to try and get Chris Corelli back on from SMY TV to kind of get us ready for the for the season, right? We're doing that next week. We're going to try and get that done next week. Yeah, we got uh, Mr. Corelli lined up for next week. Awesome. Uh, you know, tentative, you know, because as uh, they say in the wrestling industry, cards subject to change. So, right. you know, anything mm-hmm. can happen. Right. Um, but, yes, we have reached out to Mr. Corelli. He's going to come on and give us a little preview because – we're going to try to get a guest on the following week from Canada. <laughs> is, that, is that a Canadian <laughs> accent? A? No, do the boot What's that all about? <laughs> Did you guys get any maple syrup? <laughs> wow. Uh, because think about it, bro. We got two more shows and then the season starts. Opener, baby. Weren't you trying to wrap up the show? Now you're talking yes. about, about Canada. <laughs> you got me started again. Well... So we figure we'll do our Yankee preview next week. And then uh, something that I want to try to get done more often this season is to try to bring in people from the cities of the teams that yeah. the Yankees are playing to give that perspective. I like that. So we reached out to a buddy of mine that lives in uh, – where does he live? Canada. Canada. There you go. <laughs> to give us a perspective on the Blue Jays and uh, it'll be an interesting season for the Jays because they do have some strong starting pitching, but – uh, that offense, uh... and and the Rays might as well not even show up this year. I mean, they just dumped everything. So 
between the Blue Jays being hit or miss, the Rays not going to really be a factor. And what are the Orioles going to be this year? I mean, they the still have starting could, pitching troubles and, you know. There might be a day where they could put up 10 runs, but. I think we're going to we're gonna have a season where it's all Yankees and Red Sox. I think for the first time in a long time, that gap between the Yankees and the Red Sox and the rest of the division has really grown yep. now. Yep. Great. So. All right. So uh, head to nyysportstalk.com. Uh, when's the Jim Abbott interview coming out? March 26th, the March final 26th. day of spring. Spring training. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, go there to our newly redesigned fan shop. Shop.myysportstalk.com. Oh, it's got a new web address now? Mm-hmm. So now you want people to do more things? No, you just got to click. You just got to go to the website and go to the fan shop. All right, so that's what I'm saying. Go to <laughs> nyysportstalk.com, read some articles, buy some gear. And was swag that, up. Was that stupid thing you always said? Swag up. Swag up. Um, I'm Brett Gardner from Hollow Hill, South Carolina. It's been fun, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's hard. I'll play. I just played the game against Mets. Uh, it's a good game. You play hard, Brett. Your 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 head is huge, though, buddy. Uh, I've been told before uh, I got a big head. You're right. Um, but I got a big brain in here. <laughs> All right. So follow Stack Guy Rye at Stack Guy Rye underscore N Y Y S T. Follow Chris at Chris Junior underscore N Y Y S T. Follow me at Christian underscore N Y Y S T. Follow NYY Sports Talk at NYY Sports Talk. Follow the official Twitter handle of this show at NYYST Podcast. See, I was waiting for you because I don't really know what it is yet. Yeah. It's NYYST Podcast? Yep. This is a Stantonian goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again for listening to episode 32 of the NYY Sports Talk Podcast. And Chris, say goodbye. (laughs) 